Welcome back to the Made for Monday podcast by Christ Church of the Valley. This is the place where we talk to men and women just like you who are making an impact in their workplace, leveraging the place where they make a living to actually make life worth living to the people around them. Here at CCV, we don't believe work is something that you have to just endure. We actually believe is an opportunity that God has given you to make an impact to the world around you. Now, a lot of us have stressful jobs and busy lives. It's not uncommon to feel like we've got so many planes in the air that we don't know who's coming, who's going, or where everything's going to land. Some days, it may feel like you just wanna close your eyes and hope that everything falls into place. Well, guess what? Today's guest literally knows how you feel. And in fact, the idea of just letting everything fall into place is never an option for him. Today's guest is Drew Dunham. Drew is an air traffic controller at Deer Valley Airport in North Phoenix. Drew, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, thanks for having me. Okay, so a lot of us have some stressful jobs, but few of us have a job where somebody's life is like literally in our hands. Uh, about how many planes are you directing each day at Deer Valley Airport? On a busy day, we do about 1,700, uh, which is puts us at number one in the nation for GA airports, around number nine in the nation right now for total airplanes. And you were telling me uh, you have more airplanes coming and going than Sky Harbor. Yep, we're beating them by about uh, 1,500 movements right now. We're set to uh, end the year with about 43 or 430,000 movements for the entire year, which is big numbers, really big numbers. That's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. So every day, 1,000 planes coming and going. And about Ooh. two or three people on board each one of those planes too. So you're talking a couple thousand lives every day multiple times a day. Now, how did you even get into this field? Like, was there a job fair at your school? And you're like, that sounds like fun. Well, I always wanted to be a Blackhawk pilot when I was in high school. Um, and then that just transitioned into what can I do to get into the field? So I became an air traffic controller and that was about two weeks out of high school. Uh, and I've been an air traffic controller ever since. Uh, it's the best job in the world and I would not do anything else. It's amazing. Wow. Okay, now walk us through your mindset beginning of the week. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you do? Do you have any like morning rituals that you do to get ready, to get your mindset focused for this type of job? Uh, I really just try and relax in the morning and, you know, nice and quiet morning. I'll help out with the kids, get them to school. Uh, sometimes I got to take my, my son to preschool, my daughter to ice skating practice. So my, my mornings can start a little earlier than what I kind of want to, but it helps me ramp up for the day and then be ready to go into work. Um, just, you know, try and keep it nice and calm because I know I'll be busy for the rest of the day after that. Yeah. So starting off with getting the kids off to school, uh, what's what's more difficult, getting kids uh, practice schedules and school schedules straight or getting oh, planes course. coming and going? Every, every family knows that nightmare of, of trying to uh, coordinate my wife's work schedule with mine. Well, you know, I've been getting a lot of overtime this summer. We've been on mandatory six-day work weeks because of our short staffing. And so um, trying to find people to watch kids on those days where I get called in and she's there uh, at work as well. So uh, it's been a real big struggle. And actually, it's been a really hard summer for the both of us just staying connected and 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 being in the word together. And um, we're actually, we started our small group again last week. And so just going into that small group was uh, a breath of fresh air. It's like, oh, okay, we can actually interact with people again and and be part of our community again. We were really missing that this summer. We didn't even realize it until we walked into that house. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I, when we have those opportunities to take on overtime, especially when you have a young family, growing family, you want to jump at that. Ice skating it's, is expensive. Ice skating is expensive. Uh, it's, it's, it's darn expensive. But it does have another cost of just not feeling as connected sometimes. Yes, so exactly. That's great to hear that you make that a, a priority. Now, 
Give us a picture of what that air traffic control tower looks like. Um, who's the team in there with you? What does that environment look like? Of course. Uh, so if you've ever been into a bigger tower like Sky Harbor or um, Chicago O'Hare, you'll notice the space. It's uh, about double the size of a standard living room. Um, and so you'll have controllers on either ends of the tower who don't even, uh, they can't even hear each other if they turn around to talk to each other. Sky or uh, Deer Valley Tower is about the size of a standard kitchen. And so we, we're standing right next to each other, interacting with each other. I work with uh, upwards of uh, five other controllers at a time, sometimes down to two. Sometimes it's just the three of us up there. And we're, again, talking to, you know, 170, 180 planes in that hour, uh, all coordinating with each other, trying to cross runways. It gets really complex and, and really stressful, but... Uh, it's really good to have two teammates there next to you. And I do say teammates, not coworkers, because we're all trying to accomplish that same goal. Uh, and so when you have that high level experience all next to you, yeah, it makes it, it makes it really easy to do your job. And sometimes it even makes it fun. What does that fast paced communication look like? Uh, we we kind of have our own language almost uh, where we're, you know, hey, cross here, go there, turn here. Can I go behind this guy? And we all know what we're, what we're talking about with each other uh, just because of the, the level of experience and, and, and how much time we've actually worked at that place. When you get a new trainee in there, it gets a lot more complicated because you're trying to convey certain aspects of information that they're just not picking up on yet. When you get somebody new in the tower, what does it take to help build trust for you? Oh, that's a tough question because it's really hard to trust that trainee. Now, a trainee always has a, a rated controller behind them. And uh, let's say I'm working with one of my regular coworkers who I know and trust very well. The trainee might say something and behind his back, the coworker's like, I got you, don't worry about it. You know, just making sure that everything's going to continue running smoothly and safely and that they'll take care of any problems that the trainee might accidentally create. And so it, it's, a, it's a nice teamwork environment when you have that trusted controller behind the trainee. Yeah. Now... In working with the the tone of like the way that you're communicating to one another, um, there's probably not a lot of of room to like escalate the voice, start yelling, start screaming. That's a recipe for disaster for sure. Uh, yeah, when you when you start maybe yelling at another controller to try and get something right, or hey, this isn't working. If you put any anger or hostility in your voice, you I've seen entire tower cabs just dissolve into a screaming match with still 15, 20 planes in the air, and that's so unsafe for the flying public that, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a nightmare. That's, that's the stuff of my bad dreams for sure. Yeah. When, that many, when those many lives are on the line, you can't allow the place to get out of control. I've seen a controller unplug his headset and walk away from the whole thing. <laughs> really? Yes. Yep. And I've seen, another, I've seen another controller unplug somebody else and tell them to get out of the tower. And, it's, it, it's, and that was when we were deployed. Um, a little bit more added stress to the whole you know, scenario uh, when I was in Iraq. And um, yeah, it, it can get really hairy when you, when you let your emotions get control of you and you start taking things personally. Yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. Is that what often would lead to a, a near miss situation or something that is kind of dangerous it, in the air? Or what are some of the factors that go into that? It certainly contributes to it. Um, we have a, uh, it's a, a general saying, basically, we call it the Swiss cheese effect, where if somebody does something wrong on one end, well, that just adds to your, your potential for an accident. Somebody, does, somebody else does something wrong, that kind of adds up. And, and what starts to happen is the holes of the Swiss cheese start to line up, and that's when you have an accident. So there's a lot of stop gaps that controllers use to prevent anything from like that from happening. 
it's when everybody starts to fail on, on critical levels across the board. That's when you start getting into accident territory. Um, sometimes it's just a freak, like, oh gosh, I, he never even called me. I never even knew he was there kind of thing. But most of the time it's just a, a lapse upon a lapse upon a lapse and that leads to an accident. That's fascinating. So you're saying that those compounding misses, even mm -hmm. when they're small, all of a sudden will start to turn into something much bigger. Yes, of course. And and it's and it is the smallest things. You you told him to turn left and he might have just gone straight for just a little bit too much, you know, a little bit too much time. And now he's turning left. Well, now that's gonna increase your chance of somebody else coming into that same space that he's at. So it's it's you have to be on your ball all the time, making sure that the pilots are actually doing what you told them to. Sorry for any pilots who are listening right now. We we know how hard it is for you guys to fly the plane while trying to do what we tell you, but uh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and, and we have great pilots at Deer Valley Tower. We've got some, some stinkers out there who are flying <laughs> around who need to be, uh, yeah, need to have a reality check. But for the most part, um, we know you guys are just trying to land as well, the pilots and, and trying to be safe. And so that's our job is to make sure everything is safe. Yeah, I, I just see so many uh, leadership analogies in that where you know, when you're trying to lead a team, um, you need people to be able to fly in formation and communicate well with each other. And if you don't start to address some of the small misses where uh, a team member is out of alignment, they're no longer walking with your, your company's core values, they're no longer doing the things that you want them to do, all of a sudden just chaos can erupt. We, uh, we had a few controllers at Deer Valley, I won't say any names obviously, but um, a few of them have retired. Uh, there's one or two that are still there who it's just trying to get them on board with some of those values. Uh, is a real struggle. And when they're in the tower cab, you can tell the, the mood is different. The, the tower team environment is, is completely different. Uh, it's a struggle to get things really running smoothly. And uh, just with our staffing levels, we all take turns at being what we call the CIC, the controller in charge. So we'll be on the back desk kind of running the whole thing. It's just a temporary supervisor slot. But we're the ones who are watching how the traffic is going and, and seeing who needs help and how can how can I assist over here and can I answer that phone there for you? And and so we're we're constantly trying to keep everything running smoothly. And when there's somebody there who is out of sync, maybe having a bad day even, you know, it's like, okay, well, I, I understand you're having a bad day. How can I help you be a better part of this tower team? Do you need an extra break? Do you need a little bit longer on your break? Would you like to go make a phone call and maybe figure something out? Um, we had a, a perfect example of this is um, one of my really good friends at the tower, his mom passed away recently in Texas. Um, she had been in hospice for a long time and uh, they knew the end was coming, but they didn't know when. And so the day that she passed, he got the call at the tower, but there was nothing for him to do. He couldn't, he, they weren't going to have the funeral for another couple of days. And so he decided it would just be best for him to stay at work, uh, just wait until the funeral started to come up. But for those couple of days, he was really out of sorts. Um, we tried to give him a light load. We could just tell he was distracted. He was staring off into space sometimes. It's like, hey, you know, we still need you here. If you want to be here, that's that's totally fine. We understand you're going through something, but definitely be still here a part of this team. Um, how can we help you do that? And and so that was a really good talk with him. Me and him grew a lot closer over that over those couple of days, just trying to figure out how we could help him. Make him help him make that work. Yeah, absolutely. You show that you care about him beyond just the job. Right, of course. And like I said, he was one of my friends before and we're, we went to the Diamondbacks game the other night together just because my family was out of town. They were in San Diego and so this was Friday night. He said, hey, we're going to the, the D-backs game. You want to come along? I was like, oh, sure. I don't have anything to do, so. That's great. Yeah. So you take off the headsets, you have break. How often do you get a break? Oh, uh, so legally, we're not allowed to be on position for more than two hours at a time. 
Okay. Uh, and then our, our towers got into a kind of a, a habit, a rhythm of about half hour breaks. Um, we'll, we'll spend about an hour and a half, maybe an hour and 45 minutes on a long session uh, and then a half hour break. So we spend about six hours a day on position and about two hours a day off position, just relaxing, closing our eyes. Sometimes you've been so busy, you just have to put on some headphones and listen to some white noise and, and just blank everything. At least that's my, uh, that's my wind down kind of um, technique, um, especially when you're starting to get to know some people and, and to get to know your fellow controllers because you're all in the same shift line, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it really useful to go down to that break room with them and say, hey, that was a really busy session. Um, I saw some things I could have done better. Would that have helped you if I had done that instead? Or, you know, would you like me to do this instead? And so um, it's actually refreshing when somebody does that because it shows that uh, they care about the operation. They care about keeping things safe. And when you know you're working next to somebody who cares about their job as much as you do or even more than you do, mm-hmm. that just develops natural bonds almost immediately. I've seen people struggle, struggle, struggle. And then when they're like, listen, I, I want to get better. Tell me how I can get better. And it's almost immediate how, how much they impact the tower team. It's incredible how that humility opens up relationship to actually say like, of course, hey, how, how can I... Uh, help? How can I help you win at this? How can I help you succeed more at this? And that's a that's an interesting point you bring up because we're all paid the same there. We don't we don't get bonuses for landing more planes than the guy next to us. We don't we don't get bonuses for not having crashes. Uh, our main goal, uh, like if you think about it in not selfish terms, but I can't think of the word right now. But if you think about it in just general terms, we're all trying to not to be on the news. And so, you know, like that's our main goal is to keep people safe, make sure everybody gets down safely and not be on the news. And so what we're trying to do at that point is help each other do that. And, and there's been no other job that I've seen. Firemen are around the same, I would call it the same line of work where they're all trying to help each other get home at the end of the day. Um, police officers, things like that. Uh, what most people don't realize is that a, uh, air traffic control is a, is a service industry. We're there to serve the pilots. Like that's our job is to give the pilots a service. We're not there to, uh, and that's and that's something that comes up sometimes with bad attitudes with people who feel entitled to be there. Mm. They think, why are these pilots calling me? Well, it, the pilots are calling you because they're trying to fly, and that's what our job is to do is to help them fly so that they can be safe and not crash into each other. So it's it's interesting how you can try and explain that to somebody and see that reversal, that shift in their attitude when they when they actually accept that and and continue on with their job. Yeah. Now, how has your faith played into this? Uh, do any of your coworkers, do they know that you're a Christian? Uh, yeah, we've had a few discussions. Um, I'm sure just like in a lot of other pl- uh, other people's places of work, uh, religion can be a volatile topic sometimes sure. where it might not be such a great idea to bring it up uh, off the cuff, but we... Um, one of my coworkers is Mormon and he catches some, um, uh, some flack for that. Uh, just the general kind of ribbing that you get. A lot of it's good natured um, and he takes it in stride and he uses it uh, on his end to, to kind of reflect back his values. Um, and I've done the same thing. We've had discussions on tithing. That one was... Really? Uh, that, can... Yeah, that, that one blew people's minds. They don't understand how you can give 10% or even more of your paycheck. They, it just, it's mind boggling to people who aren't familiar with the concept. Uh, and I remember spending about an hour and a half on two separate sessions, like we were having a discussion and I went down for a break and I came back up and they turned around and they said, okay, so tell us, like it was immediately jumping back into that conversation. And it's like, well, this is, 
this is what I believe. This is, um, it's a, it's almost a reward for me. I see the benefits of doing this. This is, this is my showing of faith, uh, you know, to God, to, to all the concept and cores that I believe in. This is how I, this is how I demonstrate that. And, and it's trust. And so I went through the whole, yeah. you know, all the concept of tithing that the best way I could explain it. And it, it actually touched on one of my biggest, um, fears and self doubts is if somebody asks me, how can I, you know, can I explain that well enough to win them over the first time? I'm super competitive. So if somebody asks me about God, I want to say it's so great that they're immediately converted. Like, and that's, <laughs> that's one of my biggest flaws and, and uh, things I need to get, you know, over on myself is it might not be that first time I talk to them. It's just a constant drip. And so uh, we had, uh, gosh, it's been probably years since I heard about the concept of dripping on people here at CCV. I forget what uh, series it was, but... Um, uh, it might've been one of the Easter service, uh, Easter series of like, you know, the warrior for Christ uh, when they had the Japanese drummer come in and, and before, remember that yeah. sermon, that one stuck in my head a lot. And, and just being that light for the Valley, that whole message was amazing. Um, and so that's what I do in the tower. I just try, I wear a lot of CCV shirts and I got my CCV hat that I wear up there. Sometimes I was wearing the, the polo the other day. Uh, and one of my coworkers looks over and he goes, I go to the Chandler one, and, you know, in his, in his voice, his name's Larry. He's a great guy. I hope he hears this. Um, and, uh, we started talking about, uh, Chandler CCV and he's, he said, I love what they do for the kids. Uh, he's got two daughters. Now that's um, interesting because, uh, did you know that Chandler or did you know that Larry went to the Chandler campus prior to him making that comment? No, I didn't. I didn't know he went to church. So you being bold with your faith mm-hmm. and, you know, just having the CCV logo, you know, on your shirt, that actually helped draw that out of him as well. Right. And it's funny because it wasn't just me and him in the tower cab. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of how it works at my works is everybody's listening to everybody up there. And so, uh, you know, I'll be sharing something about what I did. They all know I volunteer on Sunday nights. I, I'm here at the Peoria campus doing uh, high school security. Um, and it's one of my days off. I have Sunday, Mondays off. Uh, and they, they say, oh, you spend your day off volunteering. Yeah. It's completely rewarding. You, you, you'd be surprised what you can gain out of giving your time up for other people. And it, like I said, the tithing thing, volunteering on your day off, it blows people's mind. So what I'm hearing you say is that when it comes to the tithing, when it comes to serving, you're kind of blowing people's minds because most of the time they think that faith is just this intellectual exercise. It's like this belief system that you have, but you're actually giving practical, tangible ways where you're trusting God with your finances, recognizing that everything belongs to God and that your time is not your own, that you're stewarding your time, you're you're giving back. So it sounds like some of those things where it moves beyond just this intellectual argument, but it's actually you articulating how you're living out your faith, that seems to be some of the things that are impacting your coworkers the most. And that's some of the ways I grew up as well too. Like if, if, I, if I took the time to stop and think about Christianity and my relationship with God, I, I, me personally, I start to doubt it a little bit. Like, is this even, it, it can get, I can go to really dark places, honestly, with my faith. And I found that actions speak much louder than words. Um, my, my marriage is based on that. I can say to my wife, all day long that if we're having a rough spot, I'm trying to do better. I, as long as I say it, it doesn't matter. But as long as I put forth that effort and show her, then everything, you know, falls into place. And, and we, we transition into a great season. Uh, we're in one right now. And it's uh, for anybody struggling with something like that, yeah. I, I just work and, and marriage, you can kind of look at it the same way where just 
if you put the effort into it and and really just trust, it it makes all the difference for sure. It's the long term investment, right? Of course, yeah. It, it's uh, making disciples, uh, a great marriage. Those things take a long time. They take consistency, being there day in day out. Uh, have you been able to have some of those long-term relationships with some of your coworkers? Are there some guys that you've been working with for for a while now? Yeah, the some of the the um, intricacies of, of air traffic control, you tend to move around a lot if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, where the FA, the Federal Aviation Administration, I'll just every time I say FA, that's what I mean. People think I mean Future Farmers of America, but it's FAA. So, uh, but we're in a transition season right now where it's kind of hard to get moved around. But before and then coming up soon. You can kind of go to wherever you want to in terms of, you know, different towers. Um, This will be, considering all my military time and just some contract work I did in between being picked up, uh, this will be my eighth tower. Um, So you you have the opportunities to move around. And I still maintain relationships with people from my first FAA tower back in um, San Jose. Um, I worked at Scottsdale for a while, for about three years before I got over to Deer Valley Tower. Uh, And I still maintain relationships with all those people and it's funny that the relationships I really value and maintain are based on conversations we've had in the tower about religion, about my faith. Um, whatever it is about that, I haven't been able to put my finger on it yet, but it's in, it's uh, the term I can think of is endearing. It's, it, it makes me stand out to other people where they want to continue having discussions. And my, my buddy, Chris, who works up in, in North California, um, the NorCal Tracon right now, he still maintains contact with me, how I'm doing, how's the family, you know, uh, how's Deer Valley. He, he, he knows like everything about me basically. And, uh, it's a great, it's a great friendship. That's I think only developed because of me being transparent and open with the people around me. It's about just being honest, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing from you is when somebody asks a question, you just give them the honest answer. That's right. And that consistency over time has made an endearing relationship and, and has caused some friendships to come out of those co-working relationships. It's, it's hard to, especially for those of you who have grumpy people at work, it's really hard to, to, to get them to change by telling them what they're doing wrong. It's easier to show them what it can look like if they're doing things right. And the only way to do that is to be the example. I love that. Yeah. Now, you were talking about investing in your marriage, investing in your family. I know that's really important for, for you. Uh, share with us a little bit about the, the downshift that takes place from uh, directing you know, thousands of flights a day and the high-stress environment to now you need to go home and you've got young kids at home that want to tell you about their little art projects and their day at, at preschool and course, your wife yeah. wants your attention and, and everybody wants a, a little piece of you and, and your brain is probably still moving planes here and there, maybe a stressful day. How do you downshift? Because I think this is something that every one of us, no matter where we work, have a hard time doing transitioning from work to home. We've all come home from work feeling like our brains are straight jello, like nothing makes sense. Sometimes I come home and the lights are too bright. They're just, it's, everything's too loud. Uh, and so as I'm driving home, what I found the easiest way for me to make that transition is to just, especially when I pull into the driveway, this is kind of my routine. I get into the driveway, I turn off the car. Um, if it's not too hot outside, I sit in the car for about five minutes and I just take deep breaths. Um, if I had a really bad day, I'll actually pray about it and say, let me release all of that that just happened today. Maybe some arguments with coworkers because those do happen from time to time. Um, a, a hard, stressful day of training maybe can put me out of sorts. But um, the things I have to remind myself and tell myself is that 
my kids and my wife don't deserve all the bad stuff that happened at work. And, and that's on me to not bring it through the front door. I don't necessarily bring my work home with me. Like I can't talk to planes while I'm in the house, but I can bring those bad attitudes home and, and everybody can tell when I do. And um, a, a really good system my wife and I have developed is a little bit of accountability where if I walk in the door and I'm like, everybody leave me alone and I'm super grumpy and she'll give me about 15 minutes and she'll bring me a glass of water and she'll say, let's talk about this. And, and is there anything that I can do to help you kind of transition or, you know, to, to be normal almost. Uh, she has different ways she words it and, and we'll laugh about it sometimes. And, you know, I'll go out and I'll say sorry to the kids and I'll start asking. And so it's, it's definitely a hard transition, but uh, the thing I have to remind myself is that my kids don't deserve the bad things that happen to me at work. I don't want to, there's a saying in ATC that has become popular. It's um, don't kick somebody else's dog. Mm-hmm. Where if you're, if you're crabby with somebody or you give them, uh, some undeserved, um, you know, aggression, they might get upset and they might take that aggression out on somebody else. And then it just kind of chains down the, 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 uh, the line until one person comes home and they, the, the dog comes in and they chew at the pillows and that person kicks the dog. And so it's don't kick somebody else's dog is, is kind of the, the saying that's developed, uh, in air traffic control. And I try and take that to heart where it's, you know, I don't want to come home and make my kids upset just because of something that happened to me at work. That doesn't make any sense to me, especially the amount I love my kids and want them to have a great day and, and just get good experiences from me because my childhood wasn't so great. So I, I'm trying to be the opposite of mm. that. So That's huge. So many people have a morning routine. You know, they, uh, they go and work out. They focus on the breakfast that they have, high nutrition. Uh, they take time to read, pray, meditate. They do so much to focus on starting their day but I don't think very many people have thought of an end of the day wind down routine, especially before you walk in the door. Uh, you know, I think of, you know, so many working moms that, you know, are, are there in the pickup line, ready to pick up their kids or they're coming home and have all the demands of momhood. Uh, so many guys come home and just have such a hard time changing rooms, changing compartments in their brain to actually be able to carve out a space and say, I'm going to decompress for five minutes pray, listen to some music, breathe. I think, there, I think it was a series here that said you have to leave enough in your tank. You can't give mm-hmm. your 100%. It might be going contradictory to this message, but you can't go 100% at work and leave nothing for your family when you get home. You have to, you have to um, prioritize and uh, keep in mind what's most important to you. And so, you know. No, that's huge. It's, yeah. it's, it's the entire field that God has given us to, to care for and to work. Yeah. And so that vocational element, but for those of us that are also parents, for those of us that are also married, or maybe you're living with your parents or you have roommates, uh, they're part of our field that we need to work and we need to steward well and manage well. And so making sure that we walk through that door and uh, be able to focus on our family, to be able to, to love them well. And, and I like, go back a little bit. You said that your wife, you and her have even kind of figured out kind of some cues to give each other where it's like, hey, I need like 15 more minutes mm-hmm. because if you ask me to start engaging right now with the kids, I'm, my, my voice is going to raise, I'm going to start exactly. yelling, I'm going to get frustrated. Um, talk through kind of the, how that process is, just kind of giving each other that grace and those cues. Uh, the biggest cue for her is, is if I come in and I still have some deep breaths in me, 
where I need to get those out, she can hear those, especially mm-hmm. as I'm putting stuff down. It's just a big, long sigh and, and it might be a little melodramatic of me, but it's, it's her cue that, okay, need a couple more minutes. Uh, and so I might ask her, what can I get started? And she'll have me go do something to just take my mind off of the loudness of the house. Cause of course it's, you know, a, a bustling madhouse when I get home, like yeah. everybody else's, but as much as I don't like doing laundry, sometimes she says, there's a basket of laundry that you can go fold. Perfect. So I'll go into the bedroom, I'll close the door, I'll turn the fans on, I'll close all the blinds and I'll fold some laundry for a little bit and just kind of lose myself in that mundaneness where I'm not screaming at pilots for, you know, the, the last eight hours and, and, uh, yeah, when you do a mentally straining act uh, job, to be able to then just do something that's physical and quiet, that helps reset oftentimes. And and it's it's always rewarding after, um, especially with my daughter, she's eight in the same classes as Ryan, mm-hmm. um, that uh, she sees this and and I've I've really tried to teach her those lessons as well that she needs to come home with something left in the tank because when she comes home from school and she's had the worst day at school, she skinned her knee or they didn't have Kona ice or whatever it is. Um, and she's crabby with her brother who's four. It's, uh, hey, you need to relax a little bit, take some deep breaths. And I kind of walk her through the same thing because otherwise she'll be at the kitchen table crying over homework because she didn't get it right the first time. And so it's it's interesting to me and it's actually kind of fun and engaging for me to see my daughter work through those same problems that I come home with on a smaller scale, obviously. Yeah. But but the same results happen when she comes home and isn't ready to to interact with the family too. And so what so, an important thing to learn early on. Oh, that of course. There is a transition. There's a transition from kind of your your work life, public life, at school to home and how to make that switch. Mm-hmm. And ultimately that's something that we have to model as parents, isn't it? Right. And it's it's funny, she's finding her, you know, as school gets harder for her, she's in third grade this year. Um, she's finding her own ways that she wants to do that where she comes home and, and unwinds and then is able to engage with the family on a, on a more um, personal fun, happy level instead of just everybody leave me alone. You know, we don't, we don't want that in our house. We, we don't want to encourage that. And everybody's in this together. Just like I am at work, we're all in it together. My family's in this walk of life together as well. Yeah. And again, big change from how I grew up. I, I grew up just very isolated when I came home, you know, some, some bad uh, feelings between my two parents who divorced when I was three. So it was always just, you know, keep everything separate, keep your emotions in check kind of thing. And, and uh, I've tried to teach my kids that a little bit different of, you know, how we can go about it instead of, you know, keeping it all inside. Yeah, you actually have a, a team around you, a support yeah, exactly. system around you. Your family exactly. is there to help. That's huge. Well, share with our listeners, we've got people right now that are uh, at the gym working out, commuting into work, brushing their teeth, uh, maybe they're driving home from the day, but what word of encouragement would you give to people out there that are, are working, heading into work this morning? There's, it's the small things. You wouldn't, you'd be surprised what a small act of kindness can do for somebody who's having a completely terrible day. Um, you don't know who needs it. Sometimes it's hard to tell that. Um, and uh, you never know who's watching you as well. And so uh, especially if you've made your faith known. I think that's a big key. If, if people know you're a Christian, if people know you attend CCV, you'd be surprised how close they're watching you to see your attitudes, your reactions. Um, if you can keep that in mind, uh, those small acts of kindness make huge differences and they're really easy to do. Holding doors, 
um, maybe bringing, maybe filling somebody's coffee. Uh, we have a coffee cup upstairs. And if I see somebody's low and I'm filling mine up, I walk over to their station and fill theirs up too. And they, oh, thanks. And they, they're really appreciative. And uh, it's those small things. And, and like I said, they're really easy to do if you're just keeping your eye out. And that's being in the right mindset as well. You know, uh, that mindset of serving, that mindset of being a team player. If you can get there first, you'd be, it'd be surprising how much of a difference you can make. Wow, really be able to set the tone. Exactly. Well, Drew, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. It was my pleasure. This is a really interesting uh, uh, experiment you guys have going on here. And I'm really excited and curious to see where this leads and, and what difference this can make in the Valley. Well, absolutely. And perhaps you're listening right now and you're in a stressful job. I hope that you were able to take to heart some of these takeaways of um, just being able to find those moments to connect with coworkers in between the stress and actually build that relationship that that builds trust in the workplace so that you can actually rely on each other and it actually lowers the level of stress. I love what Drew shared about just needing to downshift. When you come home from a stressful job, being able to take some moments to breathe, pray, relax so that you can go in the front door and really give your family your best and uh, really, really love on them and connect. So, uh, hey, next time you're driving around the valley, maybe you're in the North Valley, you look up in the sky, you see some planes, know that Drew that Drew is uh, probably the guy there that's uh, helping to uh, make sure that they fly well um, and hopefully you will stay out of the news. I like that you said that. That's, that's right, that's right. <laughs> the goal of an air traffic controller to stay out of the news. You know, our work can be full of stress, but let's not forget that the same God who hung the stars in the sky and orchestrates the birds in the air has also given us the power to do the good work that he's prepared in advance for us to do. So for all of you listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And don't forget that you were made for Monday.